Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, Mike Abadir, of course, and I am joined alongside my main man, Pop DiBiase. Today is Thursday, November 16th in the year 2023. Excited to have you. Lots to talk about. A lot of baseball, actually, today to talk about for being a middle of November date. But that's because that's when there is some baseball news, typically. It's right sandwiched between all the awards and the winter meetings. And today, got some bad news for our fellow uh, neighbors in Oakland, Oakland A's. The relocation vote is official. They will be in Las Vegas, Pop, something that you've cautioned them against for a very, very long time. But we also have some celebratory news as well. We have two non-Americans winning MVP, which is, uh, hey, I celebrate baseball all the way around. So God bless them if you're from Japan, like my man Shohei Otani winning his second MVP in three seasons. Or Ronald Acuna Jr., who had a monster season, hails from the Latin nation of Venezuela. The guy broke records in terms of home runs and stolen bases in a single season and also batted, what, 337 or whatever ungodly number he did in terms of, um, you know, batting average with a high number of at-bats, with a ton of home runs, with a ton ton of stolen bases. And Pop, it's kind of interesting. Pedro Martinez asked him, he was the interpreter, Hall of Fame pitcher, legend, extraordinary, extraordinaire. Pedro Martinez asked Ronald Acuna on the air just moments ago, what was tougher? Was it the home runs or the stolen bases to get to this remarkable season? And he said it was the stolen bases. He said, because a home run, you just need a good swing. Stolen bases, you need a good swing or to get on base, and you need to steal the base. Thought it was kind of interesting, Pop. What do you think of some of these awards today and day's decision? Take it in any order you want, man. Let's uh, talk a little baseball. Well, you know, AL MVP was kind of uh, a no doubt about it because who's better than Otani in the American League? Who's uh, better than Otani in the whole league, to be right. honest with you? And then, right. you know, the um, I got my little things about the National League portion of it. I know Acuna had a historical season and everything like that, but Mookie was doing his thing from the leadoff spot as well, too. I felt like, you know, they were probably going to give it to Acuna when we got to the end of the season, but it was a pretty tight race and everything like that. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, we're kind of stuck with just giving it up to um, the guy who had the best stats, but that doesn't mean necessarily he was the best player because he wasn't able to show up in the, uh, in the playoffs. But I would say the same, I would reserve the same thing for Mookie as well too. So, you know, um, at the end of the day, there needs to be more coming from these guys you know, than just a vi- individual awards. And that goes for both of these guys who had great seasons, but they, the, your teams need you in the fall. You know what I mean? Like uh, your teams are already built up to be in the playoffs. They need you to perform in the playoffs. And that goes for both of those guys. But other than that, congratulations to both of those gentlemen. They had great seasons. They kept things exciting. 
uh, especially Otani because he had the whole world talking about him. He really was the the star of the summer, in my opinion. And you know what, Mike? It doesn't really matter where you're from. It's the Major League Baseball. It means that the best players in the world play in this league without a doubt. And so world, that's what it means. We, we, it's not 30 years ago when, you know, we, we, we got all these great corn fed, uh, Midwestern guys, these cool West coast guys, these seven guys that ain't never been out the boonies. You know, we got a sport that is all around the world and that's the greatest compliment that you could ever have for baseball. And that's exactly where they want to be at today. Now let's get to the juicy stuff. Oakland. I feel really bad for you guys. 60 years of baseball. This was the longest stay for the A's anywhere they were at. But you know what? At the end of the day, this team was probably trying to move on you for the last 20 years or so. Um, they sabotaged every single situation that they had to get a new stadium. They had five new stadiums. At five, they had five different locations they was going to be able to put a stadium at that had approval, that had the money behind it, but then all of a sudden things fall apart. Why? Because owners want a, a broke city to pay for the stadium, and that's not right. That's not right at all. Now you go down to a place that's almost bankrupt because I got to keep getting you guys to understand that the Strip does not give any money to the city of Las Vegas. It's not even in the city of Las Vegas. It's in a, a suburb called Paradise. And when they send mail to these hotels, it's Las Vegas Incorporated. None of that money goes back to the city of Las Vegas. Their money all comes through from taxpayers and taxing things and things of that nature. Yeah, they get their little tax money or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're not giving them 10% of what they're making in these hotels. You know, F1, that's that's for MGM and all those places that signed up for that. Las Vegas Strip, all they do is go pay the people over in City Hall, they little step in, and then they'll go ahead and approve it because it's a cowboy town, and they're going to figure this thing out fairly quickly. The A's cannot go to Oakland and be a fucking minor league team, and I'm very sorry for cussing right there. I know that we can't do that, but I'm very, very uh, upset for the baseball. I'm upset for um, the city of Oakland, and you know what? I'm upset, upset for my people in Vegas that didn't even want them to be there, and that's uh, that's mostly 80% of the people I talked about, they talked to, they said they did not want baseball in their city. They have a baseball team over on the other side of town in Summerlin that plays in a small stadium and they like the way that's set up. And, you know, it's going to be if you if they didn't like the way F1 took over the strip, they're not going to like the way that this construction situation takes over the strip either, because it's right on the corner of Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard where they're going to put the stadium at. And by the way, there's a lot of issues with that F1 stuff, and we can get into that later as well. Yeah, the F1 situation is stupid because that's just Vegas showing their greed right now. But you know what? That's that. This is not the let's talk about uh, Vegas being the greedy show and things of that nature. Let's celebrate the fact that they're going to add another uh, major major team into the situation. But the integrity of sports is starting to lose its uh, luster a little bit because we got way too many sports leagues in bed with sports books. We got sports books popping up left and right that are. A fly by day, fly by night, out of business in a month. You know, it's starting to become a really corrupt situation. We got guys in the NFL losing game checks because they're betting at the facility, but they can bet again. It just, it's just, it's starting to, to, to really, really, uh, really 
really becomes a situation where they might just make it illegal everywhere. Okay, am I? Uh, well, I guess I, I'm running. I guess it's just me, Mike. Are you there? Uh, I, I'm here. Somehow my my video got initiated as well, so I don't know if it's going to be all echoey now. So I need to uh, let me see if I could stop. What do what do you what do you what do you answer me this, Pop? Why are the A's? Why are the A's still moving forward when they see that Las Vegas just doesn't seem like the winner? They can't even sell out the Formula One. I mean, it's just to me, it just there's too many negatives about it. Well, that's that's well, the thing that I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like like what is giving them hope that this thing is a winner when like ordinary people like you and I are looking at this thing and saying, you know what? I just don't see on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you know, in in April or 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 May or in a hot summer afternoon that people are going to want to get out, get into their cars, get out of their cars, go into a stadium, watch a game, blah, blah, blah. I just, I just don't see it. And, you know, Vegas, people who live in Vegas don't like going to the Strip. If you live in Summerlin, you don't, you rarely go to the Strip. If you live in Green Valley, you rarely go to the Strip. And if you live in Northtown, North Las Vegas, you going to the Strip, it better be something that, that got some money involved in it for you to even try to go down there. Everybody stops in downtown pretty much, or they have local casinos and all those neighborhoods over there as well, too. So when you're building a baseball stadium in Las Vegas, you can't build it on the strip. The NFL stadium's not on the strip. And dude, T-Mobile is not on the strip either. T-Mobile is in the back of the old Monte Carlo where the MGM uh, park is at. So it's not in the way. You know what I mean? But when you do this, the situation that you want to do right now, and you're going to put the stadium next to the oil of all places, it's not going to look good at all. And then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're not going to get anybody there. Monday game, forget about it. Sunday afternoon game, forget about it. I'm telling you right now, you're, you're banking on Fridays and Saturdays, and you're probably not going to get anybody coming in on Saturday. You'll just have a Friday situation. You are in the way. You're going to have more day games than you have night games. That's what type of situation this is. This is a West Coast team. If you really want to move somewhere and get a brand new stadium and get all the love in the city and get a great support system move to san antonio move to indianapolis move to um what's another uh place that's dying for baseball right now and would love to have a baseball team hey you could even move to oklahoma city you know what i mean if you really feel really truly feel like you need to be somewhere and get a boost in fans and i don't know why you think you need a boost in fans when the a's fans are some of the most loyal dedicated fans in all of sports they've sat there and seen you for 5 years really waste away a team uh, for a moment there you guys can win some games you guys were all right then all of a sudden you sold away the whole team you gave away all your assets now you're playing bad baseball left and right you're trying to figure out ways to not sell out the stadium so then you can have a reason to say let's go ahead and move but that's a a, a weenie way out and i really feel like the mlb really dropped the ball because the mlb easily can step into this situation and say you know what if you don't want to be in oakland anymore then we don't want you to own the oakland a's anymore because we want the a's in oakland and you need to step off and you need to sell the team they forced owners to sell the team it's not hard to do that if you don't want to be a part of this community that we've already built up over the last 60 years, then you can kick rocks, not the team. And see, this is the same situation that happened to the Cleveland Browns. 
You got a guy in Art Modell who's about to lose everything, everything if he doesn't get what he wants. He can't afford to get a new stadium. He gets real jealous when he sees the his roommate, the Cleveland Indians, go get their stadium downtown. And then he didn't get a stadium because he didn't uh, want to participate in the project that they had. The city, the, the state paid into that project. He wanted the state to pay into his own stadium with his own stuff, and that wasn't going to happen. So what happens then? He get he he's 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 really leveraging his actual fortune to try to get a stadium going. It doesn't work, and so what happens is he's forced to be in a position that if he sells the team, he might lose a lot of things, or if he goes over to Baltimore and takes more money, he can save his legacy. And that's exactly what he did. I don't know what the uh, A's owner's issue is, but it seems like that for a billionaire, he's having a lot of complaints, and you have the luxury of being in the cheapest market. Man, let me tell you this. You were bringing up, like, what about other cities? You know, yeah, there are probably plenty, like OKC. OKC, you mentioned San Antonio, Portland, Sacramento. You know, um, there there are a lot that are going to say that they want it. I think the one thing that Vegas is really, really resting its laurels on is that they maybe have done some kind of case study, some kind of getting a pulse on the situation have found that maybe more international, maybe Major League Baseball has done a study. I don't know. The more international visitors, if they happen to be there and there's a pro sport like baseball, like a big time pro sport going on like baseball, that they're more likely to you know, make that one of their afternoons or one of their evenings. I don't know. I don't know. Aside from something like that, I I think it's ridiculous. I think the city of Oakland has gotten the big time shaft. On the flip side, you know, everybody's feeling bad for Oakland, as as do I. But they kind of, like, have made one bad deal after another bad deal after another bad deal, you know. Made some made bad business decisions to let Al go the first time around. Made bad business decisions to lure Al back in the middle of the nineties. Right? They promised him sellouts, which was an absolutely stupid thing to do. They guaranteed it financially. Right? They've they basically screwed over the A's by saying we're going to cater to Al and we're going to change the dynamic of the stadium. No matter what happens to your home run trajectory, it doesn't matter what happened to your bleacher seats. It doesn't matter how it impacts the infield or the or the dirt or anything. We're going to bring them back. So the A's became kind of secondary, right? And they didn't do upgrades for the Warriors. They had an outdated facility. So at the end of the day, everybody's talking about feeling bad for Oakland, which do I? I mean, you have like generations of sports fans that don't, no longer have a local team. That sucks. There's no other city in America that's lost three teams since the Rockville Redbirds of like Illinois in 1847 or something. You know what I mean? Like, like right. not, not, no right. modern day team has no modern day city has lost three teams. You know, so it's a crappy situation all the way around. But again, you got crooked politicians who care about today and their reelections and not the future of the cities. You know, but let's let's save that political talk for another for another day, Pop. I think you and I kind of see it the same way. But like I said earlier, we're talking celebratory in terms of the MVPs and the awards. We didn't mention the rookies of the year yet. We didn't mention the managers of the year yet. 
you know, there's a lot to be excited about, obviously, in O-Town with the Orioles, who had a really, really long, long drawn out, um, you know, losing situation. So it's kind of cool to see them get, you know, Brendan Hyde and Gunnar Henderson, you know, the awards in the postseason here. Um, congrats to Snell for Cy Young. Now, let me tell you a couple quick things. We're, we got about a minute before the commercial break, so we got time. Did you know that Blake Snell led the league in walks? Mm. It's the first time a Cy Young pitcher has led the league in walks since 1958. The other interesting thing is in the first month of the season, he had over a five ERA. So the guy really turned it around. But it's kind of an oxymoron of, of, a, of a pitching season when you look, look at it. You know, just the juxtaposition of the most walks, but he also had 200 strikeouts. He had a low ERA, but the season kind of mirrored the Padres season, right? Which is they stunk up the joint at first and then got good at the end when it was too late. That's kind of, that was kind of the deal with him. You know, uh, Garrett Cole, you know, I hate the Yankees, but hey, he deserved it. First Yankee Cy Young Award winner since uh, Roger Clemens. Uh, it's been about 20 something years. So I'm, I'm good with that. What do you think of the Cy Youngs? Any quick word on that before the commercial? Um, Blake Snell. I think that he won because circumstance, he was able to stay healthy all season. But my boy, though, man, my boy Hunter in Cincinnati, if he would have been able to stay healthy, he was well, to, averaging can, can, six strikeouts a game, man. Back huh? right after this. Okay. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at themikeabadirshow.com. 
Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Avenue Show with Pop DiBiase. And Pop was about to, until I rudely interrupted, uh, kind of give his quick thoughts on the Cy Young Award winners and some of the other award winners uh, that have been handed out by the Baseball Writers of America. Well, I got, I know we had, we had the Baseball Writers of America giving out awards and everything like that. Who won the American League one? Garrett Cole. Well, Garrett Cole, he's common. There wasn't much in the AL where you could be like, he's the best pitcher. No, it wasn't really. It, 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 Garrett Cole was the best pitcher overall. We know that. Um, and when you really look at it, you know that um, Lopez struggled mightily this year. If anybody would have been able to get it um, after him, it probably would have might have been Joe Ryan because he was pretty good this year as well, too. But Garrett Cole was really, really lights out. And you know me, I I, I had my favorites, but they wasn't gonna give them nothing. Guys like John Gray, who were who was probably the rock of the uh, Rangers uh, staff, he won't get credit for that because they'll talk about your boy Evaldi and you know the 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 idea of Scherzer and then having the Graham, you know, who didn't really do much. So you know it it, it happens. You know, what I mean, Jordan Montgomery had some say on that as well too. The Dodgers, you know. Even if it, it, it was funny because I think Uri's, uh really kind of messed up a season where he would have been right there in the Cy Young race. And if, if Kershaw could have stayed healthy, he could have had a say in this situation as well, too. But my favorite National League pitcher, if he would have been able to stay healthy, there's no doubt in my mind he would have won the uh, NL or at least the strikeout uh, leader. And that's Hunter Green, man. If Hunter Green can get back to the same form he was at before he hurt his hip this year, he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball next year. I like Hunter Green. He has to show some consistency. Definitely has some crazy strikeout ability. And he got hit both- mid stuff. And most improved, my man Josiah, for who uh, played for the Nationals. He was probably the best thing going. I I kept going back and forth with a guy. He's like, you always go to him. Well, because he's a guy that I trust, and he's always going to get the number that I want. So you know what? That's going to be a guy that's going to be taken a lot more seriously. Hopefully, there's some smart teams out there that might want to go ahead and go after both of these guys during the uh, winter breaks because I think that they could be got if you got the right price. You know what I mean? If I'm the Yankees, I'm trying to explore something in that situation right there. From the Dodgers, I'm trying to go get my boy back because I already had Josiah. I was the one who developed Josiah, so bring him back on home. So, you know, it's a lot of good things going on in baseball moving forward, especially for the whole game when it comes to the diversity of it as well, too. Agreed, man. So let's – uh Let's kind of shift the focus a little bit out of baseball. We know that we can uh, spend a lot more time on on these actual awards. But there is a lot to get to in the world of sports. So what I want to talk about for a quick minute is tonight's game, which we never really spend a lot of time on a Thursday. But I, I do want to mention something because it kind of sets up how this division may look for the rest of the season. You have B- the Baltimore Ravens at seven and three. You have the Cincinnati Bengals who are getting hot now at five and four. Uh, you have the Cleveland Browns who just lost their starting quarterback. And you have the Pittsburgh Steelers who are winning games. I really don't know how. So this game kind of does have some importance 
the, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I think that Baltimore could win this game, this week 11 ball game. I think they could really, really put themselves in a situation where they can pretty much coast to the division title after this. But if they lose Pop, oh, man, forget about it. This, this is going to be a chaotic, fun race to watch the rest of the way out. And because the NFL is chaotic, kind of have to think that Baltimore has a good chance to lose because that's just the way the NFL is. You know what I mean? Just a quick thoughts on, on tonight's uh, Baltimore Ravens-Cincinnati uh, Bengals game. Well, the Ravens two and two, and if they were to lose tonight, they'd be two and three in the division. They will have one more division game left at home against Pittsburgh, so that will probably be the the icer game. That would be the game that will probably make or break a season right there. But tonight is very important because if the Ravens go ahead and sweep the uh, Bengals, forget about it for the Bengals in the playoff situation. But the Browns are in their situation where they've just lost their quarterback, but. We'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to stay on topic here. This is the keys to the game tonight. The Ravens have to uh, get back to being real physical. What happened on Sunday was they were physical for the first half of the game, really the first, I would say, 8 to 20 minutes of the game. Then the Browns got comfortable. They scored a field goal, and they started breathing a little bit. And then once they started breathing a little bit, Yes, it was 17-3 to in the first quarter, but on the way out, the Browns went ahead and outscored them 30-14. to And that's because the Browns got real physical and the Browns kept that defense out on the field for 25 more plays than the Ravens' offense ran. So that means that they, they kept them out there for at least, you know, if it's a three-hour game, they kept them out there for at least two hours. And on one drive, they kept them out there for at least 30 minutes. I saw it. It was in the third quarter. And that's absolutely the reason why the Browns won that game, because they wore down the um, uh, Baltimore defense in the third quarter. And then the offense just really didn't have much because the defense was much rested for the Browns, and they just wreaked havoc. They, they rushed four guys. And they made life very, very difficult for Lamar uh, Jackson. So pretty much that's what happened there. They're going to have to keep their physicality going, but they're going to have to get their run game going to the point to where it can eat up clock. They didn't have their run game going. Yes, they did get a good amount of yards, but they had guys that were very stagnant. They had to pass a bit more than they used to. Now, Bengals, fresh off of a loss last weekend, and they did not look good at all in that game. Even though they almost won the game, they were terrible throughout the whole uh, game. Joe Burrow had some real issues, but that's because Houston's defense is much better than they are given credit for. And they stepped it up. They had a good game plan for that game, and they were able to execute that game plan for most of it, but they still gave up 30. They still gave up 27 points. And CJ almost threw the game away. If Boyd catches the touchdown, it would have been, you know, Joe Burrow would have come back instead of CJ Stroud could be the MVP. So, you know, the uh, balls bounce a certain way. So I really feel like, you know, with the Bengals, they can't play catch up in a lot of these games. They have to get the lead. They they're like a really good race. They're like a really good Baffert, but they're a Baffert that's that's much better in allowance races than they are in say a uh, 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 big time stakes race. And so 
why they're good is because they can get the front in those lounge races. In these other races, they got to fight to get to the front. And when they got to fight to get to the front, the games get difficult for the um, Bengals. But when they're already setting setting the edge and getting their lead to start the game off, the Bengals are one of the tougher teams to beat. Once they got a lead on you, it's tough to beat them. And that's what's what, what I'm on tonight. Whoever gets the first score tonight is going to probably be in control of the game most of the night. But this is going to go back and forth, and I feel a really big-time defensive effort on both sides is going to be here because last game went over. This game right here, it should go under because I see a lot of things on both sides where it's just both teams had to go through such a physical games on Sunday and games that were life and death. You know what I mean? Like, literally, they could have won these games, and they didn't. They fell short. But I would say the Bengals got beat up real bad in the first half. The Ravens got beat up real bad in the second half. What team is going to feel fresher coming into the night? And that's truly going to determine who your winner is. What I did was I selected the Bengals as my three and a half tonight. They've jumped to a four. I also feel like the Bengals can win this game as well, too, just because they got to get their revenge back. And it would be their fourth straight. I would, would no third straight win in Baltimore as well, too. Hmm. That's an interesting stat. Didn't, didn't, didn't know that. Um, but that doesn't surprise me within that division, man. You know, it's, it's always pretty crazy. Right. And so on Sunday, we also get the Steelers and the Browns going up against each other. Two teams that are six and three, uh, two teams that are a little bit tough to handicap, but we know that the Browns defense is uh, really superior. Um, they, they, they're really not together. <laughs> yeah, they, they are they are a superior defense, and I use that word very um, emphatically. Superior, they are superior to the rest of the NFL. They are better than the rest of the NFL. I believe that this is the best defense in football. That's my opinion. Now, Kansas City has given up the least amount of points, which is really, really shocking. Uh, shocking in terms of like if you had asked me, you know, I would have said the 49ers, You know, I would have maybe said. Uh, you know, the, the Browns or the Ravens who uh, who were having great deep uh, seasons also. But I didn't think the Chiefs, defensive seasons, I was going to say. But I wouldn't say that the Chiefs would. Uh, but, yeah, they've given up 143 points. And the teams I just named there are pretty much the best defensive teams of football. Baltimore, Cleveland, San Francisco, Kansas City. Um, Dallas is definitely in that conversation as well. Who do you think is the best? Defensive football. Who, which u- defensive unit would can, is strong enough to carry their team to the postseason and to win some games in the postseason? I would I'm, not, say I'm, not, I'm not asking you for 85 Bears or uh, the Ray Lewis Baltimore Ravens of, of what 2000 or whatever year that was. But just generally speaking, who do you think has the best defensive dominant one that could win in the playoffs? Well, I keep it real with you. The defense. The defense that can that blends every that has the best offense with it, but can actually carry that offense, San Francisco, without a doubt. But when I look at who can carry their situation for their division right now and the way they went at everybody in the division, I would say that the Browns can be in good shape because I know everybody is going to have their doubts about DTR. But DTR was to me the third best quarterback in this draft, okay? And they just they they punished DTR because he was a fifth year senior 
And funny thing is, he started all five years. He has more. This guy started and started in more college football games than anybody that was ahead of him, and pretty much led the UCLA team from being a middling team to actually being a top 10 ranked team on his way out. And he absolutely destroyed USC in his signature game of his college career. So it's like, you know, you guys are really, really just picky on who you want to select is who can be good, who ain't going to be good. You know what I mean? And I think that if he doesn't mess up, he can be just like how Purdy was last year with the 49ers. But yes, when it comes down to defense and it, and somebody getting carried by that side of the uh, ball, it's definitely going to be the San Francisco 49ers because they have an offense where it's just like, just don't mess up. Just don't, uh, just don't, just don't get no turnovers, bro. We got your back. And it showed up on Sunday. And that's what I'm saying is that, yes, we got yards. We got people that don't give up a lot of points and everything. But when it comes down to pound for pound, a team that I know can shut you down is the San Francisco 49ers. And they've only given up 31 time this year. And that was because they were shorthanded that day against the Bengals. It's that simple. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, they are good enough to, to carry a team, to carry the 49ers for sure. But – they were exploited quite a bit in that three-game losing streak. It's like each game, there was a different excuse. Oh, they're dealing with the rain or this or that. But when it's three in a row in the National Football League, it means somebody's found something to exploit, you know. And so this is going to – they're going to embark on an interesting stretch of their season because uh, they've, they've got, a, they've got a, a fairly tough schedule, uh, the, 40, the 49ers, that is. Excuse me. Um, you know, they're going to have the Seattle game on uh, Thursday night football coming up. Those are always tough. And then they're going to have the Eagles. And then they're going to have Seattle again. Um, and they also have a Monday night Christmas day game against the Ravens. So they, they, they got a few tough games. They also have some um, division games sprinkled in there. So, you know, we'll see what the Niners defense is made of. Kind of like what we talked about with the Dolphins the other week. You know, the Dolphins, they beat up on the teams that they should, but they've now lost three straight against teams that would suggest the level of uh, quality of your ball club if you could beat them. So, you know, they, the Dolphins lost to, to the Bills, to the Eagles, to the Chiefs. They weren't very competitive in any of those games. Those to me are indicative of you when you face your next good team. If you don't win that game, that's going to be the narrative. And so I think the 49ers are going to be in kind of a similar position because you know some of the good teams that they faced, the best defense with Cleveland, they didn't do well. Uh, the hot Bengals and they didn't do well. But who did they beat up on? The Cardinals, the Giants. They caught the uh, Cowboys napping. Right. Um, so I, I think there's a lot to learn still about this 49ers team and, and a lot of other teams pop. You know what I mean? So one of the things I was dead wrong about, though, was this 49ers club, because I predict the Jacksonville Jaguars to beat them straight up last week at home. And the 49ers waxed them. Absolutely waxed them. Another team that I thought would probably take care of business at home is the Buffalo Bills. And they just don't look in sync. What are you seeing with Buffalo, man? 
Uh, Buffalo is a hot mess right now. I think that um, everybody's running their course right now. I wouldn't say get rid of Josh Allen. That's That doesn't need to happen. Um, Stephon Diggs is probably somebody that has to go. Um, or Stephon's going to have to tell his brother to be quiet because you don't need to always have something to say every time that they lose. You know what I mean? Oh, get 14 out of Buffalo. Why don't you worry about rehabbing? You know what I mean? Like, that's what, what I can't stand about today's NFL player. You guys' thoughts are way too 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 open. You know what I mean? Just play the damn game. You know what I mean? Don't nobody care about your opinion. Just go play the game, dude, and we'll talk to you at the end of the year. But you're not playing the game right now. You're on the couch because you're hurt. And you know what? All you're doing is starting stuff and making it even more difficult for this team to move forward and just think about the game coming up this week. Yes, it was a big problem that happened on Sunday, but it wasn't Josh Allen's fault. It wasn't um, the offensive coordinator's fault. It was bad defense at the end of the game. It was undisciplined football. That's what happened at the end of the night for the Buffalo Bills. And you know what? Everybody, oh, they ran a zero blitz. So what? They ran a zero blitz. The zero blitz worked. What happened was the cornerback didn't play the ball. He played the man. And that's what the refs are going to call that every single time. We've seen enough Raider games to know that that is going to happen every time on a zero blitz because you're on one-on-one coverage. And most times these guys are going to already be ahead of you. So either you, you have it to where you catch up and you play the ball well or you catch up and you run into a guy in his pass interference. It's it's just a real bang bang play. Really, at the end of the day, it was up to the pass rushers to get home and get the sack, and they did. They got it on the uh, play before that, but they couldn't get it on the next play. So you know what? At the end of the day, it was a good game. That's all it was. And you know what? Buffalo moves on, and nobody wants to give uh, Denver credit, but I will. Denver won three. That was Denver's third win in a row. They figured it out. Sean Payton is a veteran coach with a Super Bowl ring. Russell Wilson is a veteran quarterback with a Super Bowl ring. So let's stop doubting people that have Super Bowl rings when they are starting to get into their groove. This is the NFL. It's not a, a sprint. It's a marathon. And I think right now, that was probably the best thing for the Buffalo Bills to lose so they can recognize that they're not those dudes right now. And what happens is now they can go back to square one and say, do we really want this? And it starts on Sunday against the Jets. And that's what I say. Just say to yourself, we're five and five. It's OK. We're still in the playoff uh, hunt. We're still in the race. All we got to do is just make sure we keep winning games. If we get out of this thing 11 and 6, we're in the playoffs. And we got a good possibility of that happening. So let's just get back to basics. Let's get back to business. We'll press the panic button if they lose two more. But right now, they're fine. Let's but take a like final timeout, Pop. I ain't like oh, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, that's basically saying, like, that's Dorsey's fault for those turnovers and for right. a, you know, I mean, like, come on. Like, if if if, if Buffalo wins that game, do they fire the OC? No. So we'll get more to, uh, in, into the NFL drama that we always uh, enjoy each and every year after a quick timeout. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the final segment with Pop DiBiase and Mike Avenue. You know, it's interesting. Today, uh, I don't know how old this clip is, but I think she's actually made the same um, statements a couple of times now. Carissa Thompson, who is going to be on tonight's coverage of Thursday Night Football. Uh, most NFL fans are aware of who she is. Good-looking blonde lady. She's been around the uh, Fox broadcast of, of football for, for a while now. Uh, she made an admission, Pop. I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but she basically said that she she admitted, joking, not jokingly, she said it with a laugh that she sometimes completely makes up sideline reporting during these NFL games. And let me tell you, man, the backlash she's got on social media from a slew of female sideline reporters has been exceptional. They are roasting her. And it's kind of funny because she then gave her reason. She's like, sometimes they want me to say something and the head coach at halftime will like bounce. It doesn't give me anything. So she'll she'll be like, once the camera comes to me, I got to say something. So I'll just say, you know, the Dolphins want to do a better job of pass blocking and they want to do a better job in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback, blah, blah, blah. She'll make up something like that. That probably is true, but it's not something that the head coach said. But nonetheless, she's getting roasted for it. The question I have for you, Pop, is this. What she's supposed to do in that situation? Because uh, I, I don't know the answer. I mean, is she supposed to throw the, the head coach under the bus? 
And when they say, we're going to go to Carissa for a halftime report, she's supposed to say, well, uh, you know, Mike McDonald didn't want to talk to me. Mike McDonald was too busy. He ran right by me. He blew me off. So I don't got anything. I mean, what she's supposed to say, she's getting skewered, and I understand it, because you're not supposed to make up stuff uh, during, during, you know. Tracy Wolfson, she had a very interesting comeback to it. She's like, well, I spend years of my life earning the trust of all these players and coaches. I can't just start making up stuff. Just can't do it. What are your thoughts about that real quick? Because I thought it was kind of an interesting thing that started to get some traction on social media. What are Pop DiBiase's thoughts on that whole weird situation? Well, it's like this, man. You know, I, uh, you know, me being being a part of the TV stuff and things like that that I've been a part of and things like that I've seen behind the scenes stuff like that. And sometimes you just got to be on the go. And if the producer and director don't have a problem with it, then we just gonna keep on rolling with it. That's exactly how it goes. I mean, I was kind of thinking maybe there's a way that she could throw a word. What what are two words? One or two words that could change the dynamic to take it from made up to truthful. And I'm not trying to play games with words, but I mean, I'll give you an example. What if she said, you know, Mike McDonald's really busy to be able to talk uh, during this halftime, but I'd suspect that he wants his team to get more pressure on the quarterback. He wants his team to do a better job at pass blocking, and he wants his team to limit the turnovers. Right? right I think that would take it into you know, an accurate... You know, when you say I suspect that he would, now it's basically saying, hey, I didn't talk to him, but you're not rudely saying he blew me off. You're not throwing him under the bus. And you're probably saying something that all the viewers saw and are thinking too, which is, man, they need to figure out a way to stop that pass rush because our quarterback's on his ass half the game. You know what I mean? That's kind of my thought on it, but I thought it was just kind of an interesting dynamic because we don't really get that kind of honesty from these reporters very often. Uh, but what, when you do, you really put yourself out there for getting skewered. And, uh, and by all means, she's getting skewered. This thing is going to get more and more traction as the day goes on. You know how social media goes, Pop. Yeah, man. But you know what? Sometimes people just got to just laugh about it and just move on, but. But I understand female uh, sideline reporters know that it, those jobs are very rare for them and they had to do a lot to go get those jobs and all that good stuff. And, you know, yeah, man, I get it. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to keep it real to you, Mike. I can't stand sideline reporters. I don't think that they're needed. I think that we just need to watch the game. That's what we really do need to need to see. I know that they're there to give us the medical updates and all that good stuff, but you know what? They can send all that stuff up to the uh to the production room if they want if they need to. You know, they they all got mics and cameras and all types of stuff that they can go ahead and send that information up or they can have somebody send the email up to the uh person who's directing and producing the show. You really don't need sideline people. They're kind of in the way, but it is what it is. No, you know which which of the, which of the you know kind of like in game stuff that I think is the best. I think it's actually what MLB is doing when they mic up like rookie bets in the outfield during an inning. You know, and yeah, I, but I don't I, like I, when I somebody's in my dugout though. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I just hit a home run, man. Damn, let me celebrate with my team. Right. <laughs> Get out my face, bro, Buster. Only. Right. Well, I, I think. I'm going to make a prediction, and maybe this is a 10, 15 years down the road. I don't know, but with how crazy the world has been, you know, maybe it comes about sooner. I think we're going to be heading to a direction to where, see, let me take a step back with this Carissa Thompson thing. 
See, you know now what people are going to do. They're going to generalize, generalize, right? So I'm kind of like you. I'm already not big on sideline reporters. I don't feel I need it. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't enhance the game, right? So the average insane, crazy social media person, the next time a sideline reporter comes on and he's at a party, a viewing party for a football game, he's, he's going to say some, some expletive, expletive Get this B off the screen. You know, all they do is lie and bullshit anyways, right? They're going to make this generalization. They're going to pin it on everybody. And I think that's why Tracy Wolfson and some of the vet, veteran sideline reporters are pissed because they know that this tarnishes what they're doing, calls into question what they're doing, and it's going to make the average person absolutely think that they're full of it. And it's sad that that happens, but it does. And I think as networks start realizing, well, you know, maybe we need to shift directions with this thing. I think the next progression is going to be a lot of this, what baseball's doing. But here's the thing, Pop. Here's the thing. Here's where I'm going with this. I think at some point, it's going to get kind of boring to hear all this complimentary nonsense. You know, Mookie Betts in the outfield talking about how tough their opposing pitcher is, you know how he loves pitch, playing behind this pitcher, you know, uh, how playing in the outfield is a delight when you're next to this guy and this guy. I think we're heading down the road of a real social media type of thing where you get more honesty, right? I hate that pitcher that we're going up against. I want to kick his ass. I want to go for four for four against him. I want to hit home runs. I hope our pitcher beans him in the head. I know that sounds crazy, but I think at some point in time, you're going to get the merger of true reality TV with sport. Yeah, but I feel you, Mike. And when we get to that day, I'll probably be done with it. (laughs) Because, you know, I just want to watch the sport, man. All this extra, you know, mumbo jumbo, side talk, all this stuff is is worthless towards the, the scoreboard in my opinion, yeah, but, yeah, but you know it does keep people at home entertained. I understand that part. Yeah, but it, exactly. And it, I mean, where do they get this from? From one of your other favorite sports, wrestling. And they see the ratings that you can get on a worthless Monday night from, you know, from wrestling and you have all these eyeballs on it. And they're loving it. They're loving the smack talk of it. I think that's inevitably where we're headed with all this, man. But you can't, but you see, the thing is, these sports are authentic. That sport is manufactured. And we both know that. You can't, you can't manufacture uh big, big moments in games, man. They just happen. And that's why it seems like a smart, fun idea, but it might be for another lead that's not so heavy in TV contracts. Well, yes, about the manufactured for sure. But you could be authentic and still be. Like, like, let's just say, I'm going to use the name from the past, all right? Like Jay Cutler. Yeah, man, that guy's a total D-I-C-K. He was my teammate. That guy didn't give a flip about nobody. Most selfish human being I know. I, as a defensive lineman, want to absolutely level this mofo. See, something like that could bring in elements of rest. Now, What's going to happen is you're going to give a lot of bullets on board material, and I think head coaches are going to absolutely hate that kind of stuff, just giving out bullets on board material. But if both teams are doing it, is it really now offsetting bullets on board material so it doesn't really matter anymore? 
Maybe. I don't know. We've got we've got way off point, man. We're off the rails here tonight, and that's kind of my problem for, uh, mm-hmm. for taking us down some crazy roads here when there's so much good sports to talk about. Um, you know, it, it, another thing that about social media real fast is that you're talking about Diggs and his brother. You know, is the assumption that the that the brothers uh, talk a lot and reflect each other's thoughts. I think you kind of have to be um, given individuality in that situation. Like he doesn't speak for me. I don't speak for him. I don't feel the same way. I think he's put his brother in a tough spot. That's for sure. Um, and I have a weird feeling that it's actually true that Stefan probably wants out of Buffalo. That's just my guess, man. I don't know. I think he'd rather be with somebody like uh, Jeff Burrow, Joe Burrow. They could rather be with a legitimate throwing passing quarterback guy whose goal is to pass for 300 yards a game. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, you know, it, it just all depends. And you say Joe Burrow sounds like he might want to be down in Dallas with the rest of the crew. You know what I mean? So, you know, we don't Could know, be. but, but um, I think that, you know, I think that everybody puts more, I think as they said for uh, next Friday, you know, you put in uh, 20s on 10s, you know what I mean? Let's just get through the season because he can't get traded. He can't get released. He's on the bills, and we'll figure it out during the offseason. I'm with you, man. So we we, we touched on it for, for a quick second, really, the Bengals and the Ravens, the Steelers and the Browns. Those are the only two games this whole week with above 500 teams, except we're going to save the best for last. Eagles and the Chiefs. We got about a minute to go, Pops. Who do you think comes out ahead in this game at Arrowhead sweet, Stadium on Monday sweet, night? Re- sweet revenge for the Eagles. Mm. Sweet revenge. Sweet revenge for the Eagles. No air. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, it definitely has game of the year kind of hype going into it. Uh, could be another Super Bowl preview. I think that's going to be the Super Bowl rematch, but we will see. It's all the time we got. Thank you to Voice America, to my man Jordan, to Pop DiBiase, of course. And most of all, to you, the listener, without you, there is no show. We will see y'all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.